I just want to have a little word here, not only for us, but for those who may be listening to the podcast. The Lord says we need to be faithful, and we thank Him during the times of plenty, and we trust Him during the times that are lean. In our church, there have been several families that have dealt with bankruptcy and job loss over the past year. And the church has also been experiencing a lean time. So we do invite you, please continue to support Concord. If you're listening to the podcast, we do have a link where you can just click the button and you can give that way as well. We thank you for your support and know that God will send the increase. This is Jonah. Chapter 1, first four verses, then 12 through 17. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. By the way, from where Jonah was to Nineveh, about 500 miles, to Tarshish, 2,500 miles. He was seriously running. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Now in verse 12, Jonah is telling the sailors, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Well, instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have set this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped At once, the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. They offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, on this your day, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock, our redeemer. Amen and amen. And please be seated. Last week we were looking at how we sometimes take a wrong turn by heading in the wrong direction, following what we want instead of what God wills. This week, we're talking about taking a wrong turn by either just refusing to move or in Jonah's case, doing his best to run away from the call of God. Now, 
Jonah's story is interesting to say the least. I think it qualifies as the biggest fish story ever. Wouldn't y'all agree? They don't come any bigger than that fish. Now, it's hard sometimes for the modern mind to wrap their head around this story. But I just want to say this. But for those who believe that the God of the universe was born 2,000 years ago in a small Jewish town, this is small potatoes. Okay, I've talked to Christ. Well, I don't really know if I believe this and that and this and that and this. Well, do you believe Jesus was God in the flesh? Well, yeah. So, well, what's the problem with the rest of it? Because that's the biggest, greatest, most mind-blowing miracle that there ever was, will be, or could be. God becoming one of us. And by the way, Jesus, speaking of him, did say... For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. So it kind of seems like he uh, said, okay, well, it happened. But regardless, you still need to listen to the story to understand what is being said because there is a point to all that is in God's Word. It's not just a cute fish story for Bible school, although we love it, we remember it. I don't know if you remember those felt drawings of the great fish that were put on the black board of the black light was on, but it's more than that because here you have this story of how someone digs in their heels when God says go, they say no. That's never been us, has it? Anyone? Well, here is the story that this one unnamed artist, I wouldn't name him, but I can't read whatever language it was at the bottom of the screen I cut off. This is sort of the story in pictures. It shows the ship, the great fish, the city of Nineveh, Jonah under that little tree, and all of it together in one with the storm clouds gathering over, not just for the sea, but also for Nineveh's possible destruction. Now the sequence of the story is this. God calls Jonah, and by the way, read it tonight. It's only four chapters. God calls Jonah to proclaim judgment upon Nineveh the capital of an enemy nation. Do not forget that. These were no good, no account, nasty enemy Gentiles that God had told Jonah to go and preach to. Instead, Jonah runs away. Why? Well, we find out later because he said, well, if I preach to them, God will have mercy on them. I'd rather them just be destroyed. So Jonah runs away and winds up in the belly of the fish. Now, can I just stop there for one minute again on the fish, but in a different way. Three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Now, what significance does three days and three nights have for us? Well, we usually think of Jesus being in the tomb for three days and nights, and he claimed that himself, the sign of Jonah would also be the sign of Christ. But do not forget this also. This is the thing that study Bibles are good for to help you understand these things that they automatically knew. Back in the day, thousands of years ago, well, maybe even hundreds of years ago, they did not have the medical knowledge to say definitively, okay, this person is dead. So a deep enough coma could be confused with death. That's why, as I understand it, once upon a time, yeah, she'll be able, she'll be all right with the story, I think. It's just a scary, it's just a spooky story. She'll be fine. 
Once upon a time, as I understand it, they would put a little string on a little bell and slip that in to where the coffin was buried. So if the attendant at the graveyard would hear the bell ringing, they'd know they made a mistake. Yeah. Well, back a few thousand years ago, there was this tradition that served the same purpose. You didn't really know that the person was dead until three days, three nights had passed. They were even thinking, some of them, well, that maybe the person's spirit was hovering around the body and could re-enter it. That's, that's nothing. The thing is, three days and three nights signified going down into death. So being spit back out by the fish was brought back to life. That's another reason Jesus linked the sign of Easter with the sign of Jonah. Jonah runs away and winds up in basically the symbol of death and is brought back to life when he cries out to the Lord. He spit up on land, so he goes and preaches to the people of Nineveh, said it took three days to cross the city on foot. And I don't imagine he was very happy about it. I can imagine him walking through the city, you're all going to die God's going to kill you because you're wicked. You know you deserve it. But, but, but is there anything we can do? No, you're going to die. Well, evidently the leader, the king, the, the person over the city heard this, took it seriously, and he made this edict. Every man, woman, and child, and every animal would repent. Men, women, and children would all have to, you know, put on the cloaks of sackcloth and ashes or the, uh, the things that would say, we are repenting, we are not going to eat. He said, put those things on the animals, don't even feed your animals. So, bless you, the service puppy would also be going without kibble for all of those days until Jonah receives the message that God is going to spare them. And Jonah is livid. I can imagine him stomping his feet. You, I knew you were going to do this. You're so merciful and kind. He walks away in a huff, sets up a little shelter, and God says, okay, I'm going to teach him a lesson. So he allows this tree to grow up with big, beautiful leaves, and it shelters him, and he can eat, and it's, it's just makes him feel a little better while he's sitting on this hillside being angry at God, angry at the city and just standing, sitting up there going, I'm going to be here because God, you're going to send a fireball eventually. I just want to be here to watch it. But God also, the Bible says, sent a worm that killed the bush, the shrub, the little tree. And then Jonah was really upset He said when God said, why are you upset? I'm so angry, I I could die, I'm so angry. Haven't we already had this discussion, Jonah? Here's the thing. God replies to Jonah's anger. In chapter 4, these are the last two verses of the book. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about this plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention the animals. 
Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And the book ends on that question. So tempting to say, hmm. especially when we're coming up in the season for nominations committee. And some of you are going to be saying, oh, it's a pastor calling. Hmm. I know some of you screen your calls during nominations time. That's all right. It's so tempting, though, to say, now you better do what God calls you to do. Or you'll wind up in the belly of a big fish. But this story is not really about that. This story is about these two things. First of all, the wideness of the mercy of God. And that's why I believe Jesus sort of appropriated it and mentioned it in the, in the book of Matthew. Because Jesus was referring back to this story where God showed mercy to a group of Gentiles who were the declared enemies of Israel. Okay? These are the people who God was not supposed to show mercy upon. And he was showing mercy upon them, making even the prophet he had sent angry. And angry even unto death. How much trouble did Jesus get in for saying things like that to the people in his hometown? About the wideness of God's mercy. And that Elijah was sent to the widow who was not an Israelite. Well, Jonah wanted them dead for the sake of his people, but God wanted Nineveh brought out of spiritual darkness. So there is that element, the wideness of God's mercy. But when it connects to us is this, although we've been recipients of God's mercy, how do we deal with the call of God upon our lives that we disagree with? And we all have those times. Whether it's something you're really sure you've heard from heaven, you felt in your heart, well, this is what I need to do. Or whether it's just in reading his word or listening to a message or to a song and you say, oh, that's what he means. I don't know about that. We've all had things that we struggle with in our Christian life. And if we're honest and honest to God, we'll say, I do not know what you're thinking here. And then we all become like that little child. Don't you love it when they get just old enough to ask you why they ought to do what you're telling them to do? Don't you love that stage? We come pre-programmed with that stage, it seems. Once the kids get old enough, it's, I need you to do this and do this and do this. Well, why? Why? Well, ju just do it. I'll explain it later. I want to know why. Oh, so I don't have a heart attack. What do we do? Do we run? Do we just dig our heels in? Do we try to ignore it? Now, some of us may be thinking, well... 
When God speaks to me, when I actually hear his voice, then I'll certainly do it. But hey, God does speak to us through his word in our prayer time, sometimes through those coincidences that happen. Even in the stillness of our hearts, he can speak to us. The question is, are we in the habit of listening? Why does the preacher always say, read the Bible, spend time in prayer? Because it's not just about internalizing this, it's also about receiving Guidance from the Father. Do we try to ignore it or do we listen and struggle and deal with what he's saying? Do we grudgingly act and then complain? That was my favorite as a child. I would always say, okay, I'll do it, but I'm not going to be happy. Grumble, grumble, grumble. I'd go away with a face like a thundercloud. Some of you are saying, yeah... That was me. I'll do it, but you're going to know I don't like it. Jonah's story intentionally left on this question. Why do you think it ends on that question? Because we are being invited to say, okay, what would I do? What do I think Jonah did? Oh, so the answer isn't here. So the question becomes my question. That means, how am I going to answer it? Specifically on this question, it was, shouldn't God feel compassion for those in spiritual darkness? Generalize a little more. Shouldn't God's desires override ours at times? Shouldn't we trust Him enough to let go and do what He wants us to? See, this story was as much about Jonah's spiritual development as it was about Nineveh's repentance. But we know how Nineveh responded. We don't know how Jonah responded. So what do you think? Tree was dead, he is sitting there, feeling all self-righteous. I tell you, I don't know why. Yeah, I did what you wanted, and now look at it. What I said didn't happen. How do you think that's going to make me look? Jonah, shouldn't it be a little more than that? He even said, I'd rather be dead than for what I have said not to come to pass. Wow. I hope he responded with a heart that was beginning to open. I have a feeling it might have sounded like this, though, because... This response is familiar to me. Maybe it's familiar to you as well. Well, yes, Lord, but. Well, yes, Lord. But, you know, well, yes, Lord, but you know it's a bad time. Yes, Lord, you know I'm not really good at that. Yes, Lord, you know that this is going to be a challenge. Yes, Lord, but you know there are people who are better at this than I am. Less, yes, Lord, but I don't really know if that's how you apply that to this day and age. Yes, Lord, but. I can't tell you, because I'd be embarrassed and 
I'm like every other spiritual child in the world. My mom said, well, do you remember? I didn't give you that many spankings. I said, well, I remember every one you gave me that I didn't deserve. But all of those I deserve, they've just gone. They're, they're in the forgetfulness sea, you know. But I shudder to think how many times I have replied, well, yes, Lord, but... So I'm going to leave this on a question. And I'm also going to take this back and get it synced up with the real time. If that's been your answer, like it's often been mine. And by the way, before I leave the last question, I just want to say, I know how... Oh, I know how much some of you are doing and working and have sacrificed for the cause of the Lord. But if this is kind of crunching your toes just a little. (sighs) Hey, it still crunches mine. If we're tempted to answer, yes, Lord, but. Doesn't the Lord deserve more? Than our resistance. May the Lord go with us and open our hearts and guide us to be more like others who said, Yes, Lord, how? I'm ready. Show me how. Dear Lord, let your mercy be upon us. Let our hearts reflect your heart. May we see the need. May we respond in earnest. May we strengthen one another in love. And may we be the body of Christ for all of our communities. In your name we pray. Amen. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. This is on your screen. It's a good Bill Gaither song. We invite you to stand as we sing together. And as always, the altar is open for prayer. The doors of the church are open for joining. Wait just a second. Since I started for the kingdom, since my life he controls, since I gave my heart to Jesus, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. That I love him, more love he bestows. Is like heaven, my heart flows. The longer I serve him. Every need.
I want to thank all of those that who are serving today, our acolytes, and especially Kaylee today. Thank you so much for your service. And, well, look at that. Also, I don't know how I forgot to mention Pace during the prayer request. Remember Pace, they found out he, he's got a bum foot. Is that about it? He goes sees the orthopedic surgeon on Tuesday. It's not broken. In the meantime, if you feel ready for a spontaneous foot washing, your shoe is already off. Pray for pace this week as well. And for all of those that are on our hearts and minds, may the Lord bless you and keep you this week. Go in peace.